this week on the Happy Half Hour. One of the things they're going to have to figure out is how to get safeties backed off the line of scrimmage. Jesse Bates was able to kind of break the rules, as Frank Reich said, and cheat up on some passes because in the absence of D.J. Chark, the Carolina Panthers were not exactly a high-flying offense. Touchdown, Carolina! It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Augusta Stone, and Darren Gant. Hello, welcome to the Happy Half Hour. I'm strongly considering doing this as an ASMR episode of the Happy Half Hour, just to keep everybody back in the place they need to be. Augusta, why are you shaking your head? I am very, like, fiercely anti-ASMR. We've never talked about it, but honestly, like, like you saying the words, like, gave me anxiety. A lot of people say that ASMR, like, calms them down. I don't know what it is, but that little tapping noise and the squishy noises and the small whispers, and I have never been able to get into it. And you know what? I support people who do it. I know it looks really fun, and it's an easy way to make some money. I, I'm so scared of ASMR. Like, just hearing you say that, I was like, no, 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 no. So you're saying I should not run my hands across this beaded curtain. Oh, my gosh. I might start squirming. <laughs> like, I, it's so it's such a weird trait, I know. Of all the things, ASMR is, like, where I draw the line. I learned something about you here today. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about it either. But, uh, oh, yeah. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the happy half hour. You never know where this is going to go. Uh, because I don't think she anticipated this, and frankly, I didn't either when I woke up this morning. But uh, no, it just kind of feels like we needed to take a minute and and let everybody breathe. And... <sighs> After last week, one it, one of the things it is. Week two, all of a sudden, and now the Carolina Panthers are 0-1 after a 24-10 loss at Atlanta last Sunday. Not the way I think a lot of people were hoping the season was going to end, but certainly not a sky-is-falling kind of loss uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. I think after a lot of build-up in the offseason, number one pick, all the excitement, new coaches, all that stuff, it, it was kind of a letdown for sure. But the one thing I know for sure is that the season is not over. And I have, you know, tried to take the long view on a lot of this stuff throughout this kind of thing and, and look back. I mean, rookie quarter, number one pick quarterbacks haven't won an opener since 2002. Uh, Frank Reich had never won an opener, period, and still has not. In 2018, when he was Andrew Luck's coach, they started 1-5 and five and finished 10-6. and six. That is not to say that losing to the Falcons means the Panthers are about to go 10-6 and six this season, but it also does not mean that they're about to go 0-17. So I would encourage everyone to take the long view on this one as I am choosing to and try to figure out what it all means. Well, we have the home opener, too. Like I was thinking about it this morning. We haven't even gotten to an actual regular season game at Bank of America Stadium yet. And, you know, happy half hour, happy thing. It's going to be on Monday Night Football, which is really cool and actually might be one of the last milestones for me in my young career that I haven't been able to cover yet. I think I've done 
every other start time. We had a Thursday game last year, my first year. So this will be my first time covering a Monday night football game, which will be really fun for me personally. But how cool is it that, you know, and I love I love that Bryce Young is the quarterback here because he is quite literally kind of one of the last people to take the bait on asking questions about things like that. Yesterday in his press conference, they were like, oh, you're starting at home on Monday night football. And he, he said something about how he's like, well, you know, the game's still on a football field, even if it's Monday night or something like that. And I was like, it's so it's just so like perspective and making it all you know seem as regular as it can which is it's very I, I went into yesterday like oh man that's that's a storyline and then you know the, Bryce Young he's the kind of guy who I think and he mentioned this too he was like I'll reflect on it afterwards but going into it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make the moment bigger than what it is but as a fan listening to this and hopefully filling the stands you can make a lot out of it because I think it's pretty dang cool and I hope the atmosphere is really cool. Yeah, it should be. I mean, uh, the weather's cooling off. The oh, weather's it's good. It's not uh, oppressively hot the way it was here in the preseason. There's all kind of cool rocks all over the place. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about rocks? Yes, rocks. So, rocks. Um, yeah, Monday night, bright lights, woo! But as the noted Eastern philosopher John Fox once said, it's not when you play, it's who you play. And, and I think that's kind of to Bryce's point. I mean, these guys... Monday night and attention and bright lights and all that stuff, it's cool for fans. It's mm-hmm. its cool for, you know, hey, it's a nice visual for all this. Puts us on a national stage and all that fun stuff. But players and coaches want things to be as normal as often as possible. So I think if you gave a lot of coaches and players their choice, every game would be uh, Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock and they could keep the exact same schedule every week and sleep at the same time and eat at breakfast at the same time <laughs> and all that fun stuff, which – from what I know about my co-host here, Augusta Stone, would be just fine with her, too. <laughs> I love me a little bit of routine. Before we started recording, I was talking about how I, I do like things that I know. I'm loyal to a fault. We were talking about cell phone providers and how I had to make a switch when I was in college. And for some reason, I had a lot of issues with it. It ended up being fine. But like the small things. But no, I, I love me a nice little routine. That was another thing Bryce talked about. He talked about getting into more of a routine. And I was like, how ironic is it that he's not even in a routine yet and he won't be until after the Monday night game? Because he, he brought up a really good point that I was able to write about in the notebook yesterday about how whenever he declared for the draft you know it kind of before you even know what team you're going to you're thinking about week one that first game oh my goodness what's it going to be like what's going to happen how's it going to be um and then you get into the preseason training camp all that stuff and you're just still like oriented I mean we've been saying week one against Atlanta on September 10th since we had schedule release and I know Bryce said it. he's been thinking about it even longer than that, just like what will the first one be? And now he's kind of, he said he likes the routine of focusing on this week, it's the Saints, which is so funny that we've gotten into this for almost five, ten minutes and we're talking about who you play. We haven't even said New Orleans Saints yet. We'll be the New Orleans Saints here at Bank of America Stadium. But it's funny how um, he kind of was talking about getting into that week-by-week rhythm of not thinking about an opponent for a month, not thinking about them for a week, but it's still not a regular week for him yet. So I'm sure after this New Orleans thing and the quick turnaround, when he's able to get into the Sunday to Sunday grind, which will happen between weeks three and four, I I suppose, like good for him because <laughs> he's definitely itching for, for normalcy and he's getting more of it. But that is kind of funny of such a routine oriented guy that Bryce Young is that he's kind of with this week two Monday night situation kind of being jerked around a little bit. 
It's not ideal. <laughs> it's not ideal, but uh, there's not a lot that gets to be ideal over the course of an NFL season. And certainly last week's start was not ideal. We, we, we should probably talk about that Falcons game a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, and I've always told you, NFL games can often be really complicated. Last week's was kind of simple. A team starting a rookie quarterback turned it over three times on the road. The end. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing. And between the Miles Sanders fumble and a couple of Bryce interceptions, you know, that was kind of the story of that game. And I think it creates a lot of the stuff we'll be talking to guys about over the next couple of days for sure, because uh, one of the things they're going to have to figure out is how to get safeties backed off the line of scrimmage. Jesse Bates was able to kind of break the rules, as Frank Reich said, and and cheat up on some passes because in the absence of D.J. Chark, the Carolina Panthers were not exactly a high-flying offense. 3.8 yards per pass attempt. That's not going to win you a lot of games in this league. So I understand the temptation to uh, keep Bryce safe and to keep him making easy throws, but at some point they're going to have to cut a couple loose just to create some lanes for the running game. I mean, they still ran pretty well, honestly, between – uh, Miles and, and Chuba Hubbard, they ran well last week. You know, Bryce completed a fair amount of passes. He threw a number of balls away just to stay out of trouble and keep things moving. But, you know, until they hit a couple deep shots to loosen things up, that's going to be what they see. So he better be accurate, and he better be on target with all the short stuff because that's what everybody's going to be planning on. Exactly, and that's sort of the bread and butter that we saw. I, I do think it's absolutely huge that Chart gets back as soon as he possibly can because I was talking with a with a friend about it, about you know the preseason and everything, and I was like, I remember in training camp we had almost like you could have scheduled the tweet of like the big connection between Bryce and DJ, and yeah. they had that really great chemistry down in Wofford, and it came back up here in the – and the I remember they had a big one here at uh, Fan Fest when we did that um, during training camp, and all the fans got to see it here at the stadium. And it was one of those things. It was kind of a shame because he is that guy that's there to blow open um, just the the offensive playbook for him. And and I will say too, um, a couple of performances that you know because it was a loss gets lost in the shuffle. But like you said, it was pretty simple. It was the turnovers that really kind of did him in. I mean, Atlanta scored I think seventeen off of. The three turnovers, but um, Hayden Hurst and Chuba Hubbard both looked like really good. I was impressed by Chuba personally, just mm-hmm. because. I mean, you see him last year. He was kind of a complimentary back to uh, Foreman when he was here, and then you pair him with Sanders. He still got a decent bunch of carries, and he was the one that was going for those explosive runs, the ones that Frank Reich was talking about on Monday, the ones of ten plus yards. I think I counted two of them. One of them went for like twenty twenty one. Like he was kind of. A real big part of the offense that, of course, when when there's a loss, you talk about what happened, how that happened. But lost in the shuffle were some some good signs for the offense. And then Hayden Hurst kind of being that reliable target, the whole reason that they brought him here, something mm-hmm. that we talked about a lot for him, you know, that veteran guy and caught his first touchdown pass and <laughs> promptly threw it in the air and then promptly got it back, which we talked to him about in the locker room yesterday. And he said they just immediately threw it back. I mean, he was back in Atlanta, so I don't think the fans were thrilled that he threw that ball. But um, no, it was it was really. I, I think that kind of worked how they had anticipated and what they were looking to see from from her specifically. I mean, obviously Thielen didn't get a ton of play, but he was coming off that ankle. He looked fine, but 
I just think there's a lot of different pieces that still need to fall, but Chark is a big one that they need to no, do that. No doubt about that. And, and, you know, that's the thing. In talking about this, yes, running game, check. The offensive line protected well, check. Mm-hmm. Two sacks, but they were both in the fourth quarter when things were kind of going a certain direction and they were dropping back and passing on every down, basically. So um, there were things, and, and, you know, Frank is an unfailingly positive guy, and he's going to say, you know, hey, saw a lot of good and that kind of stuff. But there were a lot of good things, honestly. I mean, it just kind of uh, gets lost when you turn it over three times. On the other side of the ball, we spent a lot of time last week talking about elephants, fictional and otherwise, and Brian Burns came out and – played like an elephant in the first quarter. I mean, he was all in the backfield. He was going 100 miles an hour, probably more of a Tasmanian devil than an elephant necessarily because Burns was getting after it. And he was obviously asked about it after the game and talked about with the recent contract negotiation stuff. And, you know, Burns is trying to stay above board with all this. And he is trying to keep it at arm's distance, but he honestly seemed at peace with the business side of it, which remains unresolved and probably, you know, will until it isn't, honestly. So it's going to be part of the subtext all year long or until that deal gets signed. But he, the thing we do know for sure is that he's continuing to show up. He's continuing to play. He's continuing to look like the Brian Burns we're accustomed to seeing. I mean, again, sack and a half, tackle for loss right there in the first quarter and played well throughout the game and got to the point where the Falcons were kind of scheming away from him. Every It turned into a run game for them. It turned into don't let Desmond Ritter drop back and put himself in harm's way. So there weren't that many opportunities in the second half. And when you can create that kind of pressure and cause your opponent to change their game plan – I mean, that's the impact Brian Burns can have. Exactly. It feels like all the all the panic I saw on Twitter and all over social media was pretty quelled pretty quickly, too, as you mentioned. I mean, Burns really did kind of flash the very, very beginning of that game. And, and he said, you know, that it wasn't about making a statement. It was about kind of, you know, reaching the pinnacle of his game. But he's he's getting up there really, really quickly. And, and he really wasted absolutely no time. I mean, the first big plays that I was – making notes of and tweeting about were all Brian Burns related. And I was like, okay, so yeah, he is just fine. He's giving 110% effort. He definitely has been practicing this week, obviously. And and I think uh, that was really reassuring. The bad news is when there's one thing that you're not panicking about on the defense as a fan base, there's another one as J.C. Horn was injured again. Mm-hmm. And it's looking like it may be a little bit longer from some of the conversations or some of the uh, – Words that Frank Reich used in the press conference, he's seeking out a second opinion on that hamstring, and he called it serious. Um, used the word pop yesterday. There were just some some key words that were kind of kind of rough, and for, for JC, I mean, just a gut punch. Um, after going through most of last season, that wrist at the end, and now this, um, didn't even finish the game. So I know that's something like you have one part of the defense where you're like, oh, man, is Burns going to play? What's going on? Burns looks good. And then something happens with JC. It's like these stars, they can't really get a break. Yeah, it's it's definitely unfortunate for JC. And his teammates are kind of angry and frustrated for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hadn't seen a lot of JC again. He's out soliciting opinions on how to get this thing treated and, and what uh, the next steps for him is going to be. But, you know, Dante Jackson talked about it in the locker room after the game. He said, you hate it for him because – you know what people are going to say. It's going to be, this guy is always hurt. It's going to be, 
you know, can't stay on the field. And that's a frustrating part of it for them because they see what JC puts into this deal. Um, I, uh, again, kind of lean back on the long view of things. I remember a guy uh, who they drafted pretty high one year and had a lot of big plans for, and they needed him to make impact plays early on. He made a few. Uh, he was a big physical freak, but he couldn't stay on the field. I mean, his first couple of years, he he was not what you would refer to as a reliable player. Uh, they're going to put him in the Hall of Honor here in October because Musin Muhammad figured out a way to get past some of that physical stuff and really became one of the more reliable players in the latter stages of his career here. I mean, he was always available after he got through that. So the hope is that J.C. is able to push through the way Moose did and figure out what it takes to keep himself on the field. I am not going to um, draw too many lines. I mean, you can't really connect a broken foot, a broken wrist, and a hamstring. Those are three different things, and it's not as if you can say, aha, because he fill in the blank, he always breaks bones and pulls muscle. I mean, those things aren't connected. So it's not a satisfying explanation, but sometimes dumb luck is a big factor here in our little NFL, and a lot of people are hesitant to acknowledge that. But, I mean, other than, you know, other than that, yeah, and that's a kind of a hard one to say other than that about, you know, not a bad day for a defense that had a lot of questions about it coming into the game. I mean, when you look at – 221 yards allowed, 2 of 10 on third down. They only faced, I think, 40, what, 47, 48 plays, fewer than 50 plays for sure. And it was a pretty solid performance for a lot of guys that you didn't quite know what to expect from. And, you know, the Falcons are going to be able to run it. They are an unconventional offense. They are going to put up numbers against a lot of people this year. The defense, I think, was pretty good, all things considered. And obviously losing J.C. is going to be tricky. But I, I don't think this is a situation where you say, oh, God, they're doomed <laughs> at one week into this thing. I completely agree. And I wanted to segue into something that you wrote yesterday that I really enjoyed reading uh, personally, but about um, the guy or one of the guys that will step up in J.C. Horn's absence. We've heard Troy Hill. Obviously, they have Dante, but you got to write about C.J. Henderson if you wanted yeah. to share some of that because I thought it was a very compelling story in a way where – CJ is not the kind of guy that talks a ton to media and reporters, yeah. but you were able to really get some stuff out of him that I think personalized him in a way that I found really interesting and I enjoyed it. Yeah, CJ's a quiet guy. And when you move around in a locker room where there's a Dante Jackson and a Brian Burns and cats like that, quiet guys get lost every now and then. I think it's funny that Jeremy Chin's over in that corner of the locker room now because Chin's like the accountant in the middle of a frat party or something. But, um, but no, CJ's a quiet guy, but he did talk a little bit about kind of what this season means to him. He's got a lot, you know, CJ had a lot of expectations on him coming into the league. I think when you think of a guy through the lens of being a top 10 pick, as he was in Jacksonville, it would be easy to say he hasn't delivered on that potential. At the same time, the Carolina Panthers acquired him for a third-round pick, basically. So if you think of him as a third-round pick, who is your third cornerback, who can step in and make some plays, I, I think it's easier to have a more generous opinion of C.J. He's had ups and downs. But I, I think Frank Reich actually surprised some people during the preseason when he referred to him as Mr. Consistency because C.J. hadn't always been consistent. I mean, he had some ups and downs last year. Obviously, the Tampa game – is the thing people remember uh, going into the offseason about him. But the talent has always been there. And, and 
I remember back in training camp, D'Angelo Hall, longtime NFL corner, new assistant coach here. Uh, D. Hall said, you know, he's got that newborn now. And, and CJ talked about his son, Jay's, who was born in March. And when you've got that motivation at home, when you've got that perspective at home, it's easy to draw the line between C.J. Henderson didn't have his fifth-year option picked up. He's a free agent. Everything's on the line for him professionally at this point. C.J. got another mouth to feed at home now, and having that son, he talked about kind of how that grounds him, how that brings a lot of things in perspective. And, you know, I know if a guy's struggling on the field, fans may not necessarily want to always hear about that kind of stuff, but the human being who is inside that uniform has a lot on the line this year and a lot to prove this season as well. Exactly. And like you mentioned, watching him at training camp this year, I mean, especially I remember back together Saturday back in Wofford, like he made a ton of plays there. Mm -hmm. He is, he has like it in him to make plays. I don't think some of the, some of the, 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 the fodder you hear around him isn't necessarily, I think completely true. I don't think it's the full story. Now, um, I think we should trust the opinions, like you mentioned, of a guy like Frank Reich who calls him Mr. Consistency because, I mean, he really did show that in the offseason and the preseason and through training camp. So right. I think it's one of those things that, you know, when you when you kind of, like you said, take a big view and step back, look at the body of work, he's had some really, really, really bad moments. At the same time, that's not the only thing he does, and he has opportunities now. And we could be sitting here, you know, a week from now after New Orleans, and maybe, you know, he made Derek Carr's day absolutely abysmal, or maybe, you know, he had another bad showing. Who knows? But I think it's, right. it's too early to rule out, you know, especially in the state that the Panthers are in right now. It's easy to say that, like, between him and Troy Hill, I mean, they're decent options, and they're kind of what they have going into this week. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't think it's as abysmal as maybe some people would make it. Yeah, out Yeah, whether it's good option or a bad option, it's what they've got for the, the option next little bit here. Yep. So, um, because again, JC is going to be out for a minute. We're not sure exactly what the time frame is on that one at this point. Uh, at this point, he has not gone on IR, but I think that's probably a reasonable expectation at some point because I don't necessarily think it's a short-term kind of situation so we'll see how cj responds but again he definitely has a lot on the line uh this season personally and professionally and and if he makes plays over the next period of time when jc's not on the field then he's going to put himself in position for a nice payday whether it's here or somewhere else in, in the off season so Anyway, here we are 20 minutes into a happy half hour, mm-hmm. and, and we've barely talked about the Saints. <laughs> well, we're, we're here now. Saints are coming in. The Saints are marching in. Isn't that Saints the song? Saints are marching in? Saints are, yeah. and the Saints go marching in. Yeah, that's our song. Well, that's, that's I wrote about it this week, um, did our little preview. Their game was very interesting against the Titans, very, very close. Their defense looked very good up against Tennessee. Um, but I think in looking at the Saints, it's how different the roster is from last year. Kind of similar to the Panthers. They have a lot of new offensive weapons, a lot of new guys on defense. Obviously, they were the team that got Derek Carr. I do remember a time when we were at the Combine before we knew everything that was going down with the first overall pick and quarterbacks and all that stuff when I wrote a story about you know comments on Derek Carr here, but now he is in the division and he's in New Orleans. And it took a minute to warm up. Their offensive line definitely took a minute to warm up. I believe he took four sacks in the first half of that game and then went the rest of the game untouched in the second half. Um, so that was probably a more positive development for the Saints. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have those receivers. I think when we talk so much about the absence of J.C., C.J. needing to step up, it's because of guys 
like Rashid Shahid, like Chris Olave, who really impressed me last year. But they also have um, one of my favorite players, uh, just from a personality standpoint, in uh, Jamal Williams, who gave some of the best post-game interviews last year when he was with the Lions. Um, and he's a saint now. So it's an interesting crew. It's kind of like like we've talked about, but it, it's retooled uh, and different. And we'll, we'll see what happens when they come here. But I think the biggest matchup that I'll be looking for is what happens with the secondary and the receivers because, you know, they were able to make big plays against yep. Tennessee. And that was kind of the way that they won because that game, they won by one point. And between the defense kind of picking off Tannehill, making his day hard, and then – you know, Derek Carr finally warming up in the second half. That was sort of the way they won that one. It was a, it was a little bit less cut and dry and a little bit more a tale of two halves, as they say, in that game for them. Yeah, and I think, and this will be a consistent theme throughout the course of this season, but I think the Saints are still trying to figure out who they want to be. Exactly. They're, they're in the post-Sean uh, Payton, post-Drew Brees era, and you've got to get used to what it's going to look like with Derek Carr. He was a guy the Panthers talked to prior to trading for the number one pick, prior to him going to New Orleans. Uh, he is a good, solid NFL quarterback. And I, and I thought going into the season that if you had to declare somebody in this division of misfits a, a favorite, it probably <laughs> would have been the Saints simply because they've got the established quarterback of the bunch. So uh, we will see how that all shakes out, but uh, we will begin to see it on Monday night. We've got a new routine to get ready for. <laughs> 7.15 start on Monday night, the early Monday night start. I kind of like that as an old person, you know, <sighs> staying up till 2 a.m. for my football product doesn't always appeal to me. But, uh, yeah, 7.15. It's better Monday than the night. late one, the late or the, the one that's not even that late. I was talking about it uh, at practice yesterday. Apparently the other one that starts um, around, I guess it would be halftime of our game. The other one starts on a different channel. So, the doubleheader thing's interesting. I'm so kind of locked in on Panthers mode that yeah. I didn't realize it was a doubleheader. And you and I realized at the same time that it wasn't 8 o'clock. It was a 7.15. So, and, and, of course, you can consume that game on ESPN if you please. <laughs> but you could also tune in on the Carolina Panthers radio network for the very first pairing of the season of Jake DeLome and Luke Keekley. Who doesn't love Luke? That's a happy half-hour conversation. That's going to be awesome. See, I'm a little envious of the fans that get to listen to that. I would love to get to listen to that. Maybe I'll have an earbud in. I was going to say, we'll get you a transistor radio. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, do you Let's... know what a transistor radio is? Maybe oh, there's an app or transistor something. Transistor radio. I mean, I know what a radio is, but the, when you <laughs> add the word transistor, it makes it feel like it's something different. Is it like the little... Hang on, I'm going to Google it. I had a boom box when I was a kid, and I know about the... Uh, the um, antennas. I know antennas are. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know what this is. I just Google transistor radio. Oh, oh it's boy. just a little. It's like a little box. I've definitely seen these before. Oh dear. I do love radio though. That's kind of one of my like fun facts. Um, I've always been an FM, an FM kind of kind of girl. So I, I, I podcasts are cool, but I like kind of the chaos of the radio. Never we're, know who's going to be yelling about what. We're we're <laughs> gonna get your we're we're gonna get you hooked up on the Listen Live feature on the Panthers app, and uh, so you too can enjoy. Jake and Luke, as, as everyone will. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So we will meet again a week from now, and we'll be able to talk about Jake DeLome and Luke Keekley. We'll be able to talk about the New Orleans Saints, and maybe we'll be able to talk about something different this week. So until then, my friends, it's the happy half hour ASMR edition. Oh, no. Or something. <laughs>